Hello and welcome to Babelfish. My name is Christina Kern and I'm your host. This podcast tells the life stories of non-believers around the world. Today I'm talking to you, Kato. Can you present yourself? Thank you very much, Kese. Uh, my name is Kato Mukasa. I'm a Ugandan, a humanist, uh, you think uh, basically known uh, for my humanist work and the activism in Uganda. I'm currently the chairperson of uh, Uganda Humanist Association, mm-hmm. which is over 20 years in existence. Uh, most of the chairperson of, um, uh, um, I'm now the uh, legal director of Halea. Which is the Uganda, which is the Humanist Association for Leadership and Accountability, whose offices we are in right now. Uh, most a board member of the International Humanist Ethical Union, uh, which is headquartered in the UK. So nice to be part of this program, and I hope it will be fun sharing. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. With the uh, listeners all over the world. Thank yeah. you for coming to Uganda. Uh, I'm pleased to be here. Interesting, really beautiful country to visiting. Uh, So you have a thriving humanist community here in Uganda. Many organizations. Uh, Yes, we do. We have over 10 humanist organizations in Uganda today which are invested. Many of them are new and they are in different parts of the country, but they are moving on, which is a good sign of progress, at least to have people who are willing to identify as humanists as atheists and are willing to work towards the achievement of the goals to which we set out to achieve as non-believers in a country mm. where 80 over 80 percent or 90 percent <laughs> claim to be religious yeah it's quite hard but it's quite good that we have people who are willing to identify themselves as secular people mm. as non-believers in this yeah. country so uganda is quite a religious country very religious country yeah. right from our motto of the country, for God and my country. <laughs> so <laughs> they think everyone should be religious. Yeah. It's quite a very religious country. I think if they are ranking religious countries in the world, Uganda should be among the first 10 very religious countries in the world. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And maybe many different religions, right? Or quite a number of religions. Yeah. Because we have those which were brought by the colonizers, as I might say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming from a Catholic background. Yeah. So my my family religion, if I can use that, which is Catholic, is also important, of course. Yeah. But also we have all those. We have the Protestants, the Catholic, the Born Again now, which is a new formation. We have the Orthodox. We have the Seventh-day Adventists. We have quite a number. Of course, we have the Hindu. We have the <laughs> Muslims. I mean, there are so many religions here. And of course, what is very important to note is that we have the traditional religion. Yeah. The okay. African traditional the African. religion, okay. which is not pronounced at the same time. Because okay. people now don't want to identify themselves as traditionalists. They think okay. it's evil. They think it's not fashionable mm-hmm. to speak louder that I, I believe in the traditional gods. But yet, in practice, they actually believe in this. There are uh, many. Yeah. And yeah. they are both traditionalists uh-huh. and Christian? Yes. Okay, yes. A combination. yes. That's a combination. Yeah. You find that someone is a Christian... Yeah. But at home, he believes in these other gods, the African gods, if I can use that. Okay. So there is there's a shrine yeah. at home. There is um, a basket full of vodo or whatever it is, yeah. uh, artifacts for, for in the okay. name of gods. And on Sunday, she will go to a church. <laughs> 
you know interesting so yeah. that's the double worshiping we have yeah in uganda and it's quite common you find a muslim you say yes i'm a muslim but at the background also believes in witchcraft okay because witchcraft is part of traditional religion mm -hmm. you get it so it's double worshiping here yeah. i mean but because of modernity and because of um uh, who colonized us they they feel shy to openly identify themselves as traditionalists. Mm -hmm. But yes, they are though there's a group of people again which is pronounced. For them they have said for us we are traditionalists. They even have an association. Two days ago they were hosting a president, the president of the, the country about I think about two days ago to, to launch the association. I okay. mean they even have a circle. A mm -hmm. circle is more of a bank. Yeah. But more of a, a localized way of collecting money together and do things as a unit. Mm. So these traditionalists have their own leaders. Right now, the leaders, the leader of a, the traditional religious uh, people in Uganda is called uh, Namuteli Silvia, mm -hmm. a lady yeah. and a businesswoman. And she will probably say, probably say, I am the leader of the traditional regions in Uganda. Okay. You know? But what is funny, I can tell you, because she's more of a politician than a businesswoman, when she's invited to go to a church, she'll go to a church. <laughs> okay. And actually donate money there. She's very rich. Okay. Yes, but everyone knows she believes in the other gods, as they call them. Mm. So you find that Uganda is very interesting. We have all these gods here. <laughs> but they will tell you, for God and my country, because yeah. of the more of the country, but which god? Sometimes the question. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> like a mixed, yes. mixed view of religions. Yes. Yeah. We have Jews here. Yeah. Actually, we have Ugandan Jews here. I'm yeah. talking about that. I mean, it's a mixture of a mixture of. A, I mean, I call it a cocktail of religions. Yeah. Here. So it's hard to. So it's hard to be an unbeliever. Yeah. How you have a Catholic background? Yes. What make you find out that you were an unbeliever? Oh, Anything is. special happened? Yes. Um, I'm writing my book. <laughs> uh, I've taken a year plus writing it. I was lacking time. This year I've said I'm going to finish it. So I'm going to be less on social media, trying to do my work for a living, but also try to write my book and finish. But in my book, I'm talking about my background, yeah. how I became an unbeliever. It's quite interesting that um, at 12 years, mm -hmm. I decided to say enough is enough with religion and okay. I abandoned it. At 12 years. But what happened is that um, uh, my father uh, was, just died last year, was more of a, a free thinker, okay. I can say. I cannot say oh, okay. he was an atheist because he never professed it the way I do, okay. but in practice, he was a free thinker and he doubted everything. I have books here uh, which uh, I have kept for over 35 years which my father bought for me. Okay. I'll show you some copies here. I have some mm. of them in the office. You'll be interested to see. Some of them do have covers. Books from Volotia. Okay. Books on Socrates. Ah. Books on Plato. Mm. Books on Leo Tolstoy. I read all these books before I was 12 years. Oh, that's early to read yes. those kinds of Yes, texts. and I was reading them. Yeah. Yeah. And these are philosophical books, books which challenged me to think deeper. Why? Because my father was an accountant in the Uganda bookshop. Oh, and so he had access, access to, the books. to books. Yeah. And he was an avid reader. Mm -hmm. So he could get these books or buy them, whatever. But because he worked with the Uganda bookshop for some time and wanted to read himself mm -hmm. and was a critical thinker himself, he could get these books at home. 
and not only on philosophy, but on so many things, on art, on music, on poetry. My father was a performer yeah. at the same time. He was a guy who was an accountant by training, but he could go on stage and perform. He was a, life, a, a free guy. Mm. So he made life easy at home by actually encouraging us to read books and reading for us books. Because by the time I was 12, I had read about 10 or 12 novels of the great African writers, Wola Soenka, Chuni Achebe, and these were writers who were purely anti-Western religion, if I can yeah. put it that way. Yeah, okay. And, and Chuni Achebe, for example, Wola Soenka is now a humanist known all over the world. He has been part of our meetings, uh, of humanist meetings. I read their books as a child. Yeah. Uh, people like Alecha Madi, and I was wondering from that age, I'm called Paul. That was my Christian name. I've, I've abandoned it, of course. <laughs> Why is that these writers, Chunua Achebe, don't use these other foreign names? Yeah. I was asking at that early age. The more I read their books, the more I realized that they were actually saying this is an imposition mm-hmm. on us and it's taking away our culture. Yeah. And actually, it is dividing us. When you read some of those books, like um, Things Fall Apart, you will see mm-hmm. a story and someone will connect to religion. Coming. Things like Wallace uh, uh, <coughs> uh, Inca's um, Kongi's Harvest, if you look at these plays and these novels, I mean, somehow they were critical of religion that had been imposed on the Africans yeah. and how this religion had changed their way of thinking and way of life. That a man, for example, who had access to all the privileges in the setting, now the religion was telling them to have one wife. I mean, they were they are trying to discuss these concepts. Yeah. A religion had come and divided the family. Yeah. Where you find the Muslims fighting the Catholic, and you are from the same father. Mm. So it was from these books, among others, that I began now finding reason to doubt. Okay. But what helped me to doubt more, because my father simply gave us the books, and I can tell you in my family they are believers and unbelievers. Others read, others didn't read or read and didn't take it seriously, um, I, I began questioning more of religion when I read a book by Voltaire. Okay, Voltaire. Yeah. And it's called Philosophical Dictionary. Yes. By Voltaire. That book changed my outlook at only 12 years. I have it right here in this office. I've kept it for over 30 years. Yeah. So, uh, one of the books which changed me, Leo Tolstoy's book on religion and its essence, I read it as a young child, changed my way of thinking. Mm. And what basically affected me, even before making a decision to say I no longer believe, was the experience I had when I was uh, about nine years, which mm. I will share with you. Yeah. And I've written about it now. Uh, it happens that um, I was in a primary school, mm-hmm. and um, it is a Catholic school, still exists. And this Catholic school had a policy of uh, all of us, the pupils, it was a primary school, uh, attending church on Monday. Mm-hmm. There was an early mass on Monday. It was like blessing a week. Yeah. Because this Catholic school which, where I went to um, had chaplains mm-hmm. and it was routine to have church service before week starts. It's like you begin a week when you have uh, blessings, yeah, yeah. as they call it. So I go for this mass, which was early at about 8, and it was ending at 10. 
And then after the mass, there was a routine parade, school assembly, as we used to call it. Mm. So that they begin now checking who is smart, who has brought what. Then you say prayers, they cancel you on the assembly, you go to class. So yeah. on Monday, you could always enter classes a bit late because it's mass first, then the assembly, then the class. But what happened on this day uh, of, of, of the school? And I was only in primary one, if I remember very well. Or primary two, I have to check. Um, yeah, that's early, right? Yes, I was only nine years. Yeah. If not eight. I think I was eight years. Now, uh, I go to this church, uh, Mass, and I see young boys. There was a time when they said, I think it's called um, Eucharist or something like that, the process where you go and receive the body of Christ. Yeah. There's that white stuff. Yeah, you get a piece of, I think it's just flour and water yes that one <laughs> yeah. they give you so i was young i saw boys my size get into the line mm. and this priest was giving them this hostia i think that's the right term yeah and they are eating freely so i was excited as a boy i also went into the line and received the body of christ yeah. the priest gave it to me and i ate it now meanwhile i never knew anything about what you must do before you qualify for it. I was young. I just saw boys who were shorter like me. I was a bit young. Going to the line, getting this Eucharist, this board of Christ, and then eating it. So I went to test and I ate it. Hmm. It was served to me. Now, on the assembly, I was shocked to hear that my name was read hmm. and I was summoned to go you know, the assembly, the students are on their side, the teachers are on the other side, you know, yeah. to go to the other side where the teachers are, more of um, a stage, you know. Yeah. And um, the teacher who invited, called me, summoned me out, said, um, uh, we have seen you, you have gone and eaten the body of Christ and you don't qualify. You have broken Catholic law and teaching. Yeah. You have stolen the body of Christ. That was the word I think. You have stolen the body of Christ. Okay. Because we know you don't qualify and you have never gone through confirmation. Okay. There is a, 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 a process where the, you have to go through it. Uh, you are trained for I think six months or a year because I used to see my elder brother going through it. Yeah. And they could be trained in holidays. They go to okay. the church. They are given these catechism books and all that stuff. They are trained to be good Catholics, and then they are confirmed. That's a party. They make a party. Yeah. Okay. So he told me you have never gone through this, and therefore you are going to be punished. Mm-hmm. Now I can tell you, at that age, I was quite caning or whatever it is. Punished, beaten by over twelve teachers. Okay. I know everyone has a whip, and mm-hmm. they are. You know, beating yeah. you until I fainted. Wow! I mean, I think I don't. I can I I cannot remember how many strokes of the cane I got no. because I all my body was in pain. Yeah, I was beaten. Not one, not two. Like they have a line. Yeah. They are beating me, and it was a very harsh Catholic school. Okay. So I, I I fainted. I couldn't walk home. They had to just take me back home, and uh, I was staying with my grandfather that time who was also 
a non-believer. Yeah. Because my father, my grandfather. So it was your father's father. No. No, it was your mother's father. It was my ah. mother's father where I had gone. Okay. And my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, was a very sharp critic of the Catholic Church. Yet he had been raised as a Catholic. Yeah. But he never went to church. Yet the church was just a few meters away from our home. He was the guy who took us to the garden on Sunday. Mm. And he was the guy who could criticize the Catholic Church like nothing. Okay. And said, no, I don't believe in that kind of religion. I have rejected my own religion. Mm. He could yeah. say. And yeah. we, we now he was meaning traditional African. I don't believe in that. <laughs> you could use a very bad word anyway. <laughs> you can want to use on a, <laughs> I don't know, believe in that kind of nonsense, the yeah. African traditional religion. There, therefore, how do I believe in what has been imposed on my on me? Mm. So I was critical about it. So and uh, it got so annoying. He had to go and uh, complain at the school, and actually I was removed from the school. Yeah. So, um, but I was treated for almost a week. I had bruises, and yeah. I was young. So, but that one incident of being beaten, like I had stolen something, and without and you were actually you you didn't know that didn't you were know. doing something wrong. Yeah, I didn't know. No. Me, I'd never known that you must qualify. I was young, and two, the priest gave it to me anyway, because the priest would have turned me away. Yeah, he would have perhaps said, but because they are boys of my age, I was a slightly I think taller for my mm. age at that time. So I don't know why the priest never turned me away. But the punishment that was meted to me was so huge psychologically on me that it lasted for months. Yeah. And for some years. It kept on taunting me. And I kept on now distancing myself from the church. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, as I told you that my grandfather was a secular person, never believed in going to church. He had had his own and that, that was very weird. And my father was also another moderate person who never much believed in church things, mm. but couldn't fight, couldn't talk ill about the church, but privately could say, no, I don't, I don't have time for that nonsense. <laughs> then yet my mother up to now is a strong Catholic uh, okay. believer. Yes. Yeah. And my mother all along had wanted me to be a priest. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yes. Uh, my mother always wanted me to go to church. Mm-hmm. And could not tell me, you see how that priest is so smart? You see how they are in white, they are pure people? Mm. They don't have challenges with children, with women. <laughs> they are serving God. I wanted to grow up and be like that. You see, they have a good car. Mm. You know, priests of our time, and I think even today, had good cars for our standard, you know. Mm. Uh, there used to be those Volkswagen and all that stuff. Very yeah. good cars, you know. They are smart people. Uh, they are respected. So my mother could always tell me, I wanted to go to the seminary and become a priest. So mm. that in our family, we have a priest, you know. And my father was always, my mother was always close to me and loved me. And always telling me, I wanted to be a priest. <laughs> so at 12, the incident happened when I was nine, when I was beaten. Mm. And I get these books after the beatings and all that. I begin now reading, people are criticizing religion. If you read Voltaire, he's one of the best writers, I think, I've read. <laughs> and I've kept his book that book for over 30 years. I have it yeah. right here in this office. I'll show you. And I could always read it and underline, even when I was a young child, mm. a teenager, and statements I couldn't understand. And I could look them up in a dictionary. I was wondering, how can someone have so much courage to say God doesn't exist? Yeah. To say Christ is a, a figment of your mind. is just a creation. Yeah. To question God, to question faith. 
and mean, it's written many many years ago many years ago and <laughs> yeah. that's what that was the surprise yeah. i had yeah. written before the french revolution yes. so many years ago and i was saying if someone could think this deeper when the region was very strong mm. then there must be sense in what this guy is writing yeah. so when i was reading about uh socrates later on about plato about lauter story now i was combining all these views and then it happened all of a sudden i said no i think i don't have a reason why i should continue mm. going to church first of all where i have been beaten because for me my experience was so bad yeah that i was beaten as i've told you to the extent that i couldn't walk for two days or three i was bedridden and i had to leave the school you know mm. it was quite quite strange. so i lost my faith at an early age yeah so i told my mom i'm no longer going to church at 12 I, I was determined that i'm no longer going to church and i had to finish my primary level at 12 mm. so i went to secondary and i said no church for me okay. uh no going for the confirmation because it's a training yeah you have to go through i said no, i will not go for it um i have to 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 take my course mm. and my mother was very disappointed showed me you won't be able to marry okay <laughs> yes because among the catholics mm. before you marry in church you must have gone through that training you have to have the confirmation yes yeah okay that training yeah. it's done which makes you a catholic which makes you qualify for the uh, for the body of Christ as I may use that word. Mm. So she was telling me okay if you have refused now it means you won't be a good catholic and, and it means you're going to hell. Yeah. So I may have disappointed her but somehow I, I kept on dodging the, the conversation. And what is also strange is that uh, my brother my twin brother mm-hmm. also oh, a twin? I'm a twin by the way. Ah. I haven't said that. <laughs> I'm a twin. I'm a twin. Uh, I'm the youngest twin. The name Kato is for the young male twin. Okay. If you have two boys, yeah. the first one. Oh, please say it again. The if you have two boys, uh, twins, the first one is called Waswa and the other one is called Kato. Okay. Yeah. So I'm the young male twin mm. of the set of the twins. So my brother also follows suit. And uh, uh, all of us became rebellious, didn't go to church, didn't go for the confirmation. Mm. Plus my sister, who follows me, and she's now in Netherlands, also she 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 became uh, not interested in, in okay. following. So yeah. uh, we had that kind of, uh, it was more of an influence I had on my siblings, and we continued with our lives without actually going through the confirmation. Mm. So that's how I lost, if someone asked me, that's how I lost yeah. my faith. I went to Catholic schools uh, for my uh, secondary school, uh, which were very strong Catholic schools. Yeah. And um, uh, I was actually a prefect. I was a leader, and I had so many challenges. Why? But because I was a leader, I could go and attend the church. I go there, those um, mass for the students. So I have to attend. Of course, you have, have, to prefect, yeah. have to attend. Yeah. To avoid mandatory. I know that yeah. yes, mandatory. But I refused to go and do the readings. Mm. There's that part where they'd say someone should come and read in the Bible. Yeah. I refused to be an altar boy, yet my priest wanted me to be an altar boy. And I had another story about that. I've documented <laughs> it in my, my book where I was always fighting psychologically with the priests to avoid being an altar boy because I had being near a priest. Yeah. But I could attend the church because it's mandatory, but I, I refused to read because in, in during Mass there are those parts where I have to do the readings yes they could get like two boys 
three boys to do the reading. Okay. You know, they invite you. The priest has met said a few ones. They say, let us go through this reading. Second Timothy, whatever it is. So they give a young person who is now into these uh, mm. clothes of a priest to do the reading, the outer boys, yeah. which I refused. So And that one also caused me trouble somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That uh, at one time they discovered that I was only interested in the church, and uh, I was uh, always very outspoken. I had become the head prefect of the school mm. uh, uh, in my uh, senior four convent class. I was the head prefect of a very big Catholic school, which is um, Blessed Sacrament Kimania, as you go to my home area. Very very big school, okay. and um, I had problems that I was suspended actually twice from school. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, because uh, somehow I was not cooperating with the Catholic Church. Okay. Uh, I had refused to, to do a few things they wanted me to do. And I was actually trying to talk to other people about mm. the nonsense in church. So, and this is the Catholic school. Okay. So. That's interesting. Because, <laughs> and where does this come from? That you, are, you stand up for what you believe in and then and try to convince others and fight against the Catholic Church, you must be stubborn somehow. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they have <laughs> said it. Yeah, they, 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 because I we could have innocent discussions, you yeah. know, and I could say, no, for me, I've never gone for the confirmation. And they would say, yeah, I'm going to hell. I say, where is hell? I mean, such innocent kind of discussions. Yeah. And uh, where is heaven? Where is hell? Can you prove it to me? Remember that by the time I was in secondary school, I'd read a lot of stuff, which yeah. my colleagues haven't read. Yeah. Because I had read Neotrostoy, I had read Voltaire, I read Proto, so I was more of a philosopher yeah. at my young age. And I was more strange among my peers because I knew so much at that age. Yeah. They hadn't discovered a thing, but I had read cuts of my father at home. I had been self-taught to doubt. Yeah. So, because I knew so much, I could ask so many questions. Okay. Just imagine a boy of 15 years who has read Voltaire cover to cover. And it's asking questions just like Voltaire. Now you're going to cause trouble in the school. Yeah. Because people are going, and you were a leader, you're a prefect. Yeah. You were a minister in the school, mm-hmm. and you were the head prefect. So people listen to you. Of course. So because they listen to you, you end up discussing with them things which are contrary to the Catholic school. Yeah. So I was in trouble. I was suspended twice. <laughs> you see? Yeah. So, so that's the stubbornness I, think, problem I, I, I had because I could question why shouldn't a priest marry? Hmm. Then I could say, but they are going out with our girls. Hmm. Because we are seeing them doing the same thing. Yeah. I knew priests who had children. Yeah. They had a father with the women around. Yeah. So I was saying now, this is nonsense. We know priest so and so has a child. Yeah. People have been rumoring and rumor making rumors about that. I mean, and this, these are things that are true. We know. We had cases, and I've been always talking about this. Um, I'm a defender of gay rights. I'll give you a book I've written mm-hmm. about gay. Uh, situation in Uganda, which has caused me, caused me trouble, actually. I've defended gay rights for many years, but I've been also against people who sodomize young boys. Yeah. That one I've been and that's against. an issue in the Catholic Church. Yes. Yeah. And I can tell you, as a person who was in Catholic schools, I witnessed that. Yeah. I knew this. And I knew priests were abusing boys. Hmm. So, these are things I could sometimes point out. Yeah. And I could say, no, me, I can't be an ultra boy. I don't want to be misused by these priests. Yeah. And that was an insult the people who I was having with. So I said, no, for me, I will never be a Catholic uh, an altar boy. I will not be near those hmm. priests. Yeah. And these are priests who are teaching us in class. Those are priests who are chaplains. Yeah. Because this was a Catholic school, very hmm. strange. So I was always antagonistic hmm. uh, in a way. So it was a bit tough for me, but I think those four years in that Catholic school, 
and I I passed very well, but I refused to go back because I had a bad record and I could <laughs> I refused to go back in the Catholic school and I came here, a school which is just a few meters from here where I are. That's where I finished my high school. Okay. Which yeah. is more of a secular school. Mm. It's a private school. The owner is a Catholic, very strong Catholic, could bring people to have mass once in a term or twice in a term, but it was more of a, a liberal uh, secular school. So I had more freedom yeah. at, for my high school than the one I had. Okay. Are most uh, schools in Uganda religious? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> because yeah. you can even find that a school which is privately owned, but because someone has been brought out to be a strong Catholic, strong Muslim, we still bring in the, the religion of his okay. own. Yeah. Yet the school is private. Yeah. So you find that even if it's private, because the owner is religious, mm-hmm. still there's a challenge. Yeah. Like where my children go to school, it's a private school, but they are bringing in religious education because the owners, the lecturers are so much religious. Yeah. So religion has taken over. So this is how I end up in high school, if I give you a brief history. Mm-hmm. High school was fi- very fine because it was more secular, it was free, there was no prayers for whatever, and had a lot of peace there. So I finished school and I joined Makere University uh, in 99. Um, and it was at Makere University where my roommate was doing education mm-hmm. at Makere. And one day when I was looking through his notes, I was being inquisitive to see what I, what are they studying in education. I discovered that he was studying philosophy. Ah, yeah. And these are the guys I'd read about when I was young. And I had books I'd kept. And I was interested in these philosophers now because there was so many philosophers and writers. David Hume, they were discussing these things. Uh, Plato, all these other guys. Yeah. Uh, Tolstoy, they are philosophers. There was a lesson they were uh, studying. Then I also landed on one of his handouts, which was talking about um, uh, uh, rationalism and humanism and all that. So I wanted to find out whether the lecturer was going to talk about these things. So I began attending philosophy classes at the university. Okay, yeah. In the School of Education, so that I learned more. Mm. So I could do, I could ask him, when are you having the next lecture? Uh, on philosophy, you could tell me the time. So let us go together now. I want to listen. Because at Makere of that time, like just today, there are so many students. Mm. You could have a lecture theater of 100 students. So there's no you can know who is a student of that class. You can just sneak in. <laughs> yes, sneak in. <laughs> so I could, and I could ask questions. Mm. So uh, I attended about four of those uh, lectures. And one of those lectures, uh, this professor came and, uh, and talked about humanism. Mm talked about Confucianism, talked about uh, Hinduism, different beliefs and non-belief systems. Yeah. That was the climax of uh, the, 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 his teaching and my understanding that, oh, I thought I was just alone. It woke me up yeah. to know that there were actually organized entities that mm-hmm. were of non-believers that we're identifying as atheists because he had traveled along the world, so was giving actual examples. And now I've gone to Europe, uh, these people are organized. He asked questions and he was answering. Now there's a movement. So when I asked him a question, after the lecture, I went and met him in his office. I said, I attended your lecture on, uh, on, 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 uh, on ethics and religion and all this stuff. And I heard you talking about atheism and humanism. And, and we talked about how there was a group a few years ago which was organized 
in Uganda, but you no longer know them. So I, I wanted to ask him, who are these people? Mm. Uh, were you part of them? Did you try to uh, be part of their um, conferences or whatever? So I said, no, no, I know these people. They are my students here, mm. but they left. Because I told you that Yohaso, uh, the Uganda Human Association, which I'm the chairperson now, mm. was formed in 92, around 92, and at Makere University. You get yeah. it? So, now, they, and I joined 99. Yeah. About seven years when it had been formed. And these people had left about three years ago because uh, these are courses of four years and three years. They had left, and because there was no proper leadership, they, they, the movement had died at the university. They are now out doing their own things. But now the lecturer knew, had a contact of two mm. of them. Yeah, welcome. <clears throat> had a contact of two of them. Um, Let's come just on, come on, sit, come on, sit here. We're having, a, we're having an interview. Just come and sit here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> had uh, an interview, uh, I mean, a contact of two of them, of the founders of Uganda Humanist Association. Mm. So he told me, these guys were here. They even invited me in one of their um, a symposium, one of their discussions. I attended, I gave them my thoughts, but they are no longer here, they have left. But here are the contacts. Mm. Th- that's when I got the contacts, and I called them. Yeah. And that's why I met the founders of the Uganda Human Association, and I, I phoned home, if I can say that, mm. right at Makere. So this is when I, I, I phoned them, and I joined as a member. Yeah. And I can tell you, I was very happy <laughs> to see that there were people who had organized, because I thought all along that I think I had something wrong with me. Maybe this too much reading has also influenced me or spoiled me. You thought what, you were alone. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was alone. I think be, Because I had not met anyone apart from uh, my sibling is where we are agreeing with. Mm. But I had not met anyone beyond no. apart from my family who could openly say I'm an unbeliever, who could openly criticize mm. and openly be proud to say that's nonsense I can't follow. Mm. So when I found these guys, I was happy, I can yeah. say. And because of that happiness, I realized that it was very important to revive it, as I told you before the interview, mm. that I thought, okay, these guys had begun, but it has collapsed. They are all doing their own things. I think I need to help them to make it more mm. more active. Yeah. This is when I joined, and uh, we began also making it more active. We began having some meetings as early as 2000. So we were reviving the movement, reviving yeah. the movement. So briefly, if you ask me a question, which I've take, taken long to answer, <laughs> how did you become yeah. an unbeliever? That's the, but it's that's, interesting. That, that, that's think, my yeah. story. Yeah. It began home, and um, uh, it began with that experience at church, which I had. Of course, with my grandfather, who was very inquisitive. With my father, who was a free guy. He could give you the books and mm. allow you to read, and that doesn't condemn you for whatever you want to follow. Yeah. So it began from my home and also from my own inquisitiveness that I chose to question. Yeah. I can say it was all about doubting and doubting because I was always asking questions which I never got answers for. Yeah. And somehow I end up being an unbeliever. <laughs> yeah, and um, very active. Yeah, and very active. Yeah. I, I committed much of my time to the movement. Yeah. Because I thought it was worth it. I thought if people don't sacrifice their time mm. and to, to talk about the things, who will? Yeah. Because I discovered that it's a challenge. It had been a challenge if 
maybe I'll talk to you more about the challenge I've faced with time yeah. as a mover. But it has been a challenge because if you don't really stand out, sometimes no one is willing to stand out. Yeah. You must stand out and encourage others to come along with you. Yeah. There must be someone who stands up and uh, and challenge the status quo mm. and influence others and motivate others to question things. Because a lot of things go wrong in this country. I, 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 I can tell you, uh, 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 religion has done much havoc, has done good, yes. We have gone to religious schools, I can say, yeah, we have good education, yeah. quite good education, that's quite good. But again, the psychological effect of uh, religion to our people is quite dangerous. Mm. I mean, and, and, and when I talk about religion, I don't talk about the foreign religions. I always call them foreign religions. Yeah. I talk about even the traditional religions, yes. which are even worse, mm. because they promote things like witchcraft, things like sacrificing mm. of children, of albinos. Yeah. No Catholic is going to tell you to go and sacrifice an albino. No. No Protestant is going to tell you to do that, because they are more civilized in mm. their approach. At least yeah. they don't accept now bloodletting. Mm. But our traditional religions, still are rooted into that. Some of them still are rooted into that. Mm. I mean, it is fashionable to, 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 to hear that someone is being told that if you are building a very big building, a flat building with so many, uh, you know, uh, uh, flats on it, I mean, you must sacrifice a, a, a child. There yeah. must be blood in the foundation. That kind of nonsense. So the, uh, yeah, I've, I think we've heard stories in Europe about the albino kids uh, yeah. being sacrificed. Yes. Someone thinks that the, the, the albino, uh, the albinos, as I call them, uh, when you cut the, the head of the albino and put it under the water, mm. it will attract fish. Yeah. Therefore, become rich. If you have the hair and put somewhere in your house, you will have blessings. Yeah. You know, uh, if a man is um, um, uh, <coughs> impotent, I mean, and has sex with an albino mm. and then sacrifice her, I mean, she's going to be. Uh, strong in bed and is going to have all this and that. I mean, these are things which are not uh, taught through the Western religion, mm. but are taught through the African traditional yeah. religion. So, when I condemn religion, I, I'm always clear, it's not about the religion which they brought here only. It's about everything to do yeah. with a deity, because mm. thinking in a God somewhere, there's a way it damages, if I can use that word, someone thinking. Why? Because you are not in your control of your own affairs mm. there's something which is pushing you to do things yeah you hate others not because you want to hate them but you think it's the right thing to do mm. you kill others because you think when you do that you are going to be rewarded in heaven yeah i've read about uh quran or quran as i call it where uh, there is a verse which says if you die for allah you will go to jannah which is heaven mm. And when you go to Jannah, having died for Allah in the cause of Allah or jihad, you'll be given 72 virgins. <laughs> yeah. It's in the Quran. Yeah. I mean, that's quite stupid. Yeah. So someone is willing to risk it. I was reading uh, the, um, uh, the God religion for the third time. I've been reading it. And uh, there is a story. Uh, he was interviewing uh, a survivor of a jihad. Someone mm. had gone to have a suicide bombing and was arrested, I think, and somehow... Uh, he survived, it didn't it didn't burst with him because it was arrested before the act. But when I was interviewed, he said, I'm so happy, I'm so sad that I didn't die. Yeah. Because I was going to do the work of God. Yeah. Right now I would have been with God and I would have been with the seven little virgins. Very happy. Hmm. You know? So the psychological <laughs> effect. Someone That's says huge. you yeah. did me bad not to allow me to kill myself in a suicide mission. 
So the psychological effect of religion to a person is the damning thing. And what is worse in Uganda and in many African countries is that the indoctrination begins in primary school, yeah. in nursery school, in and secondary school. And you are school. not taught critical thinking you or anything taught. else? You are not taught. No. I mean, I was in a Catholic school. Yeah. He was in a Catholic school. Mm. Um, I mean, what you are being taught is what the church wants you to hear. Mm. That's why I found challenges whenever I could ask questions. Yeah. Because I'd read all these philosophies. And when you try to challenge, then you are becoming evil. Yeah. Agent of evil. There's no critical thinking in our schools. This is what, as humans, we want to champion as mm. one of our causes. We want to say, okay, if you are teaching religion, yeah. because in Uganda it's compulsory mm-hmm. that um, we even do an exam. Are you taught all religions or no. only one? No. Your primary. You, 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 you are going to be taught Christianity. Okay. Christianity, of course, is going to encompass all Christian religions yeah. under one umbrella. And we do an exam which is called Christian religious education. Okay. You get it. If you're a Muslim, you study Islam mm. and you do an exam in that Islam, uh, Islam, uh, Islamic religion. And they will get even grades. I can tell you, I did Christian religious education for six years. Yeah. That's why I know the Bible from cover to cover and I passed it with distinction. Mm. Why? Because it's compulsory in school and I found it an easy subject to pass. You get it? Yeah. And it could qualify, it would help me to qualify as a lawyer anyway, because it was a, one of the subjects they could count on. Mm. So you see, even if, even when I doubted yeah. whatever I was reading, but I had to ask an exam and I talk about miracles, because someone is asking me, mention the miracles which Jesus performed. <laughs> yeah. I doubt them. I know no one can stand on water. I know no one can get a loaf of bread and feed thousands of people. I know it's nonsense, mm. but I have to ask an exam. Yeah. Now, I had a critical mind already forming into me, but you just imagine someone who's not critical enough. He's writing what he believes. Because at home, they're telling him it's fine that Jesus had a miracle birth, yeah. a virgin birth. And someone is taught as a child mm. that there was a special woman who had a child without having sex. That that child simply went into her stomach mm. and that child is Jesus. <laughs> so that's the nonsense I'm talking mm. about. But someone is going to believe it because there's no critical thinking. Yeah. The chance I had, as I've told you, is that at home these books were there mm. and I was given a chance to read them yeah. and grow up asking questions. So I was doubting. Yeah. But someone who has not read these books is not going to be able to ask questions because mm. they are being told one thing, you must have faith. Yeah. But how can you uh, change this? It's quite hard. Yeah. But we are trying our best. And it's going to take us a lot of time mm. to do the changes. But it's going to be slow. I always tell yeah. people that I will not see, I'm more sure that I will not see uh, many of these things being achieved in Uganda in my lifetime because oh. I won't last for 100 years. <laughs> yeah. I, I know it because I have to die at one point. Yeah. But I always say that we must begin. Mm. We must have people who are going to commit themselves to start onto this path yeah. of awakening, as I use the word, our people, so that they begin asking questions. Mm. I know it's going to be tough, but at least we have started uh, on, on, on this journey. As I told you, we have human schools. Yeah. And in human schools, there they are few. I have one which I began. Mm. Uh, PAL is, uh, is my own uh, college with colleagues. Uh, where we are teaching, empowering young mothers mm-hmm. who have nowhere to go because in Uganda, 
having a baby before you are married is a crime. It's sin. Yeah. But also it's a crime in the eyes of people. Okay. I mean, everyone is going to take you as evil as uh, someone who couldn't control themselves, as someone who is easy, bad manners, you know, the way they yeah. treat you. So we are helping these girls. But apart from helping them acquire education, we also give them uh, some critical thinking lessons. Yes. So we tell them, you can be a Catholic, but ask questions. Mm. You can be born again, but ask questions. Why should a priest tell you to bring all the money you have and give him mm. to sow it in the name of God and the priest is driving a very good uh, car, is sleeping in a very good house, when you are walking to go to the church. Yeah. What, what is the rationale? Why should you be poor when the priest is well off year after year? Mm. If you save this money and you went to this church and simply prayed with your God without giving this money, want to go to answer your prayers. These are things we tell them. Mm. We don't even tell them don't go to church. No, okay. Because that would be indoctrination. Yes. We tell them, you yeah, can't go to church. Yeah. But you can ask questions. You are if you don't ask the priest. Why should I be donating all this money? <laughs> Yesterday I was asking one of the people at home who went to, uh, to church uh, every new year. They sleep there. They sleep uh, in a church so that they can be ushered in a new year praying. Ah, okay, yeah. That's why it's a big thing. That first, yeah. 31st of January, December is a very big day in many minds of the Christian. They go to churches and sleep worshipping, stay there worshipping, so that they enter New Year with the blessings of God. So I was asking her, if you stayed at home and you prayed at that midnight time, wouldn't God listen to your prayers right at home? You get it? Because I'm not discouraging you from going, from praying to your God, but I'm asking, does it make sense to travel so many kilometers to a very big place where there's a pastor with a big microphone, you are thousands of you there. Mm. Can't you do the same praying at home? Yeah. Won't God listen to your prayers where, right where you are? Because you say God is everywhere. Do you need to actually give this pastor money mm. so that you get the blessings? So this is the kind of thing you are trying to do. We are not discouraging people from worshiping because it would be more radical. Yeah. I'm not a radical in that extent. But I'm trying to ask you to think mm. and question things. Yeah. Why should you be donating so much money to the pastor? And you stay hungry. If there is a God, why don't that God be happy with your prayers mm. without sacrificing so much? So what we are going to do and we are doing is to um, take critical thinking to the public. Yeah. Not only to schools, the young people, to the public. Ask questions. Mm. This year, unlike last year, we have had some TV programs, but just a few of them. Yeah. But unfortunately, these programs are more on Christian networks. Yeah. So they will not ask you, they will not allow you to criticize them. Okay. But when I go there, uh, last year I've been going there and the other year, um, at least I talk as a lawyer, as a human rights lawyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I look punch and say, I doubt all this kind of thing, miracle, but it's fine, people can guide and watch because it's a Christian network which is hosting you. But this yeah. year, we are more likely to go on a secular network. Okay. Uh, secular in a way that it's, it is owned by a private person or an entity which doesn't believe so much into religion or in other words which can allow you to talk mm. what you want yeah. but the challenge is that you must pay yeah you get it yes millions of money just for an hour so I've been talking to friends to mobilize some money okay so that we can at least afford at least four <laughs> TV talk shows because mm. we haven't had a chance to have a TV talk show where we can talk all the things that I'm telling you, yeah. where I can have a moderator there and ask me questions. I say, 
these things should be questioned. Yeah. But to have that chance in Uganda, you must pay for it. Okay. Because no one is willing to give you platform to simply talk. So we want to have that um, go towards that uh, kind of arrangement where we can have a, a, a affordability to be able to air our views. Mm. Uh, we have written in uh, newspapers before. Yeah. It is very possible. And they bring your articles yes. in the newspaper? Yes, okay. before, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that is possible. But again, like I had an interview two months ago. Someone came here from the New Vision, government-owned newspaper. Mm-hmm took my interview, I talked all the things I've shared with you, but I'm told, I haven't yet confirmed, but I'm told that my interview was not published because the editor refused. Oh. And this is a government newspaper. Yeah. Okay. Up has never came out. The editor, I mean, I think my, my message was so strong and sensibilities of some people. The editing, not even the public, because they never received it. It never made it out. Yeah. In the papers. That's I have photos when the journalist is here, interviewing me. <laughs> she was here and the other people were here. Yeah. And he took photos. He was very, very interested in the interview because he himself is a humanist. The, inter- the, the journalist who was interviewing yeah. me is a humanist himself. He's, but the editor apparently is the not. The editor, because you don't own it. <laughs> yeah. The editors. So these are the things we have. Sometimes the article may go out, but if it's so critical, it may be not allowed to go out. Mm. So even having that air uh, time to, to talk to people on TV, you either buy it so that you can be able to talk whatever you want. Yeah. Because humans don't own TV stations. Basically, I can tell you this. This is one of my dreams, one of my wishes. I wish that the time I go to my grave to have a TV network which is secular. Yeah. Because it's possible. Mm-hmm. Not even not very expensive, by the way. Because all these churches are having TVs of their mm-hmm. own. And I can tell you, if I can tell you how much it is, not much money, but we don't simply have the money. Okay. Yeah. Because if we had say, a secular radio network, because starting radio here in Uganda, I can tell you conservatively, you need only 300 million, which is not man, much money in terms of when you convert it. Mm-hmm. But we don't simply have the money. No. But if someone could raise that money and you say we want to have a, a radio network for non-believers, mm-hmm. where we can churn out our views, yeah. you can't know how many millions we can touch just in a year. Mm-hmm. Because we have airwaves, to talk what you want. Yeah. But right now, you have to pay to have the airwaves. Mm. And it will be sensitive to, to have that. So, things we need to think about in future is to create an avenue of our own media network. Yeah. Because in Uganda, it's possible. It's a free country, by the way. You can have a TV on your own. You can have a radio network on your own. We get registered. We are not like uh, in other countries where it is really hard to register. Mm. We are all registered organizations. Here in Uganda, you can register as a atheist. No one is going to stop you. Yeah. You can register as a humanist. We are a free country. So what we want as one of our programs in the future is to raise some money and have a network of our own yeah. where we can champion our views uncensored. Hmm. People can listen in and get educated. That will be one of the things we are going to do. The other thing we are going to do, as asking what I'm going to do about it, is to introduce human ceremonies. Hmm. Uh, I've told you privately yeah. that um, uh, I'm a human celebrant, trained, uh, and I've helped others be trained the first lot to be trained in Africa. Right now we have celebrants trained in Uganda, in Kenya, in Tanzania, uh, in South Africa, in Ghana, mm. in Nigeria, in Rwanda, in Burundi. Yeah. Uh, so these people have been trained if they are active enough. 
to start slowly because this office is going to be our meeting point for mm. the celebrants where you are right now. And we are starting this year. And what we want right now is to mobilize some money and take adverts. Yeah. I should tell you because no one knows that actually no. <laughs> ceremonies can be done in a secular way. So what we are looking forward, if I was having a chance to say, hey, people help us, is to get some little money to put adverts in newspapers. Yeah. I don't even want to go for TVs because they are expensive. I just want cheap adverts in newspapers mm. because I know they're going to attract those people who can read. And yeah. I know with time, if we could be able to advertise only human ceremonies, people are going to come looking for this ceremony because mm. what I know what I've come to believe is that there are quite a number of non-believers in Uganda who are tired of all this nonsense going on, <laughs> but they don't know where to go. Yes. There are quite many. Yeah, you thought you were alone. So, yes, as I told yeah. you. And I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Right now, I can show you on our WhatsApp, we have over 100 members of this organization. Mm. And we are talking every minute of the day. Mm. Because WhatsApp, anyone talks anything. Yeah. I'll show you some of these networks we have. I mean, and these are only those who have reached over 100 on one network of a WhatsApp. Yeah. And we haven't even been aggressive going out. So we are saying this year, 2019, should be a year where we should get out mm. more yeah. and be more visible. And tell people, look, look, we exist. We should also be tolerated. Mm. Uh, we want to have appearance in parliament, for example, for, before legal committees, before ethical committees. And our views yeah. as non-believers in this country because one of our agenda is to have human marriages legal mm. so it's going to be tough because religion makes money out of it <laughs> but we want to be heard yeah. as humans we want to say can we also have an arrangement where we can be legal accepted because we're not criminals mm. we have an entity if you can allow the traditionalists have their theirs because they have theirs legal in this country you can have the hindus Mm. do they as legal in this country why not humans yeah we are registered so there are things we want to do if you ask me what do we want to do we want to see that we can have a voice heard legally we can be accepted to have our marriages as humans um we can be able to speak out more mm. we can be able to negotiate with the minister of education policymakers that we can have critical thinking on part of the curriculum yeah we are saying teach religion Teach Catholicism, teach everything you want, but also allow us to have our own portion of the mm. agenda so that people can listen to the other part of it. I was in Scotland last year and uh, I attended this school, Anan Academy in Scotland, and the humanists had an arrangement with this school where people from different regions, it's called Ethical and Science Day, mm. come to one school, students from different schools gather in one school and there is a humanist mm. there is a Hindu there is a Buddhist there is a Muslim there is a Catholic there is a Bonagay we had like 12 speakers mm. I was one of those people who were there also on the human side of it and we are all sharing our own experiences Yeah, the humans will talk about their own the Buddhists will talk about their own, and the child, the students who are secondary students, to be big enough, could be able to see and listen. And after that kind of talk, we now had groups. The humans have their own table, and then if you want to learn about them, go to them. Yeah. So and you could see students going from one table to another, you know, learning. Yeah. And I found it very lovely in Scotland. I say this is good. We are not saying this religion is bad. No. Oh, this is good. We are simply saying listen to all of them. Yeah. 
have a worldview that can be able to suit your lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, because then people can decide from for themselves. For themselves. Yeah. And we are telling them when they came to our table, we are telling them that for us humans, whether you are gay or not, we don't condemn you. Mm. You're exactly. a person, good to go. Mm. Whether you are you are black or white, or whatever, you are a good person. I mean, love one another. You are all human beings. Mm. So this is the message we are talking to them. And you find that these students were actually opening up. Oh, I thought I, 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 this issue of the gay it has been a bit tough in our school to debate. And this is Scotland. Mm. Yeah. Now, you imagine Africa, you imagine Uganda, <laughs> you know? So, these things, these are things we want for our own continent, not even Uganda. Yeah. We want an environment where we can be free to have everyone's views heard yeah. without but, censoring them. And what's the challenges? Quite many. Quite many, yeah. Quite many, I can tell you, quite many. I, I can tell you, um, we also tell you about uh, challenges. Uh, it's quite hard to, to stand out as an unbeliever mm. uh, in a country where almost all opportunities are owned by people who believe. Okay. Or pretend to believe. Mm. Because I'm on a building which is owned by a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have my own building in Kampala. I mean, no. we, are, we are renting. So, from where you buy food to where you sleep or where, someone somewhere who owns power, uses authority, believes in a, a data somewhere. And they are thinking so shallow that they don't believe that you can be good without God. So they're discriminating if you're... That's the point. Okay. They discriminate you. Uh, you. You can see when you come to our office, there are those, um, uh, those uh, uh, badges mm. which are brought from America and all that from Scotland and uh, you try to display them. You can be good without God. People <laughs> ask, oh, what do you mean by being good without God? That you can be good without God. You can you can actually do away with God and remain a good human being. Yeah. Because there's the notion because they think evil relates with not having God. Yeah. So it's a challenge even saying I don't believe in a God. Mm. I've found problems uh, basically because I've refused to go to church and get married. Mm. Very big challenge because you end up not having partners that uh, are stable, mm. if, if I can use that word. Because many women want to have a church marriage, for example. Yeah. And you are telling her, no, for me, church. No, no. that's a no go. So yeah. you are here already. Yeah. Okay. So your partner, if she's not very strong, she will actually move away okay. from you because the family, first of all, the pressure will be so much. Why is your mm. husband not going to church? Oh, is is and actually the bad thing here is that. If you don't go to church, they'll say, it's a satanist, satanist. Yeah. It's an animist, I think. Yeah. Because they don't think that you can be there without believing in either Satan or animal <laughs> sacrifices. I mean, they don't understand that you okay. can be there without. So, first of all, even from your home, it's a challenge. Mm. At your workplace, it's a challenge. I know he's a humanist here, but I don't think where he works. He has told them that he's a humanist. Mm. Because he works with uh, legal aid. He will tell you about mm. it. So, but, I mean, even to talk about your own non-belief where you mm. work is a challenge because your boss may be born again. Okay. And so you is, also might risk your yes, work? Yes, your okay. work. Yeah. I mean, you lose your job because mm. if anything got lost, say, in the office, oh, man is not adding up. You say, ah, that non-belief, I think, is the one who has stolen mm. it. Because they associate with something bad. That's the stigma I talked about, which is very hard to uh, to notice sometimes, but mm. it exists. And... Um, it's a challenge. Of course, another challenge is that uh, 
when you we, you begin speaking out, the things you speak out, yeah. um, like I've been, uh, as I told you, an advocate for a Gibitai. Mm. He's also a lawyer there. He's mm. an advocate for the same. I mean, when you speak out or write an article about it, uh, you get problems. Yeah. The backlash is quite hard. I, I can tell you, we used to hire, I mean, rent the ground floor of this building. Mm. We, were, we used to be a very big organization. We had funds coming in, of course. We had a contract with an agent, which I thank them for. Uh, it was for seven years. It mm. helped us do a lot of work. The magazine we have seen, the offices we had, the children we took to school. We had some funding from uh, Norway. But that funding helped us to do a lot of work, including LGBT activism and all that. Yeah. But also under so many enemies, because mm. we are outside in the world, in the country, doing all these public debates and getting known. And what happened is that they began attacking us. Okay. Our offices were attacked uh, about six times in three years. Mm-hmm. Down there, our offices were attacked and everything was stolen in 2014. Just for talking about LGBT yes. rights? Okay. We attacked three times in a year, mm. 2014, two times in 2015, two times in 2016. It was only 2017 when we attacked once, yeah. and it's only last year when we haven't been attacked. You okay. know, because now we are almost down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because we used to have a very big um, office down mm. there, about four rooms and all that. We were attacked, and computers are taken, everything is taken. Mm. Uh, projectors, laptops, things we are using. Yeah. And you know, you buy others after some time, then they come back, they take things. I mean, and we see that the agenda is to simply fail you to work. Yeah. So, someone, because the funding had also gone, we couldn't even buy these things back. Mm. So, it was an attack which was calculated towards uh, uh, making sure that the, the NGO doesn't work. Yeah. We stopped working. Mm. We stopped doing the activities we are doing. And didn't even stop there. They came to my home. Okay. If you, if you if you you can go back, I don't know. It's maybe too much work to do. But if you you, you, you checked my my Facebook, uh, uh, the post of first uh, October because they attacked me on on thirty first, if I remember, or thirtieth September, mm-hmm. and I had to post a post uh, in my Facebook on the, the next day. They came to my home, tried to enter my house, they failed, and went ahead and burnt my car. Okay. But they had issued me with threats, mm. messages, yeah. written threats. But they went ahead to burn my car. I had a new one. Came to me, I mean, mm. it was a sudden attack on my home. Yeah. Burned me with my kids inside the house. But having thought to enter the car, I mean the house, they went for the car. Mm. And burnt it to ashes. Wow. Photos all over, and I've yeah. written it in my book. I mean, uh, it was one of the things which shocked the humanist community who were following me. I mean, those that attacks, uh, they went ahead and attacked uh, my, my current chairperson, uh, executive director for the organization. At that time, it was my vice chairperson. He was staying just a few meters from here, mm. just a few hours from here. They went in his home and he had to fight them with a knife. Someone cut him with okay. a knife, and uh, he had to fight them off. And at the same time, when they are Attacking us, robbing but us. But are they are they organized, or is it? Or <coughs> do you think it's organized the attacks? They were. They, they might have been organized. Yeah. There must have been someone in, behind the, 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 yeah. the attacks. I mean, it was a way. It was not accident that they could add, add, rob the offices, go to someone's home, mm. burn a car. I mean, and send threatening messages. Yeah. 
there's a time I found a written message in my car just going to a radio station. Yeah. And someone was saying, stop the nonsense of advocating for LGBT rights. Yeah. Uh, stop uh, promoting anti-Christ. Yeah. You know? Okay. And there's a time I went to a radio station and leaving it, I found my car had been punctured, the tires. Okay. Where I had, I had kept it in the in the parking mm-hmm. uh, parking yard. Yeah. I mean, it happened once. Uh, going to a radio, it was top radio, and coming out, and you, the, the tires are flat. Yeah. And checking when the people came, the mechanic came, there were nails in it. Okay. So, so that was you, on purpose. Yeah. You know, this mm-hmm. is on purpose. Yeah. So these attacks, and as I've told you, the, the, the climax was going to my home and burning my car. Yeah. There, it is evidence. There are photos. I'm, I'm, this is not something I actually am simply making up. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's of course, scary because <laughs> yeah. it, they come to your home. It's yes. not just the office. Yes. It's so, your own house. Yes. So yeah. come to your own house. So when I talk about challenges, these mm. are challenges we have had that even your personal security sometimes is at risk. Mm. But we have persevered. Of course, I can tell you there are those of us who are working with us and worth so much effort and say, no, I think I will not be able to work more with the mm. human society. Because, because they're scared. They are scared. It's understandable if and then, yes, people get attacked. And it's rational. I mean, why should you I be annoyed if someone is saying, no, uh, my life is at risk. We had to tell them to quit. Those mm. who couldn't stand the fire. Yeah. I mean, it was quite high uh, that we had to go a bit down, I can yeah. say. We ca- had to reduce on the speed, if I can use that yeah. word. Okay. On which where? Yeah. That uh, uh, from other you told you, last year we have been less aggressive, if I can use that word. Okay. Of course, what happened is that we are even the funding we had the contract had ended mm. because we had a seven-year contract, which I'm thankful for, had ended, so we couldn't do so many activities oh. the way we could do them. So we got the funding getting over, and of course the attacks and all that. We said okay. We can now take it slow mm. until we build back. Yeah. So I can tell you, there's a time when we had no computer. That computer was given to us by the uh, Belgian Human Association. That yeah. very one you see there. <laughs> yeah. That laptop was given to me by uh, Sanger in Scotland. Yeah. A lady in Scotland. Mm. I mean, we reached a point where we couldn't even, even get a, a laptop to use because they had been stolen. Yeah. You are back to zero. Mm. So that's the challenge. Where you want to work. But even the money is not there. No. Uh, so and you, so we end up now relying on members, of course, which is not reliable. People are not all that much into. <laughs> they don't have that much money to share. No. But some we struggle because we have been renting this office using our own smaller contributions yeah. from members. We no longer have any funding from anywhere. No. So we are more of individuals trying to look for ways of pushing our activities forward. Mm. Uh, she will show you those. You see those caps in the in, mm. in the cupboard there. We make them at the, the girls make them at the college. We bring them here. We try to sell them. Try yeah. to distribute a few of them uh, to a few people you know who can buy them. Okay. I mean, these are things we do to be self-sustaining. Yeah. But um, of course, because now the funding has reduced, you can't do much. Mm. And I've been uh, working with the colleagues. And I've been advising them, those who used to work on full time, to be volunteers now because mm. you can't afford to pay them. No. And all my uh, leadership have now taken over jobs. Yeah. I, I, Joseph Uchamuzi, I was talking to him in the morning. I thought he could make it, but he told me I was going to Masaka, who is uh, our executive director. 
was telling me to get back to you through emails and uh, through Facebook. He's mm. active as a journalist. He's working with one of the biggest radio stations in the country. Okay. So we are encouraging our members who are active because the other time it was full time here. Mm. But now because they have to survive. And we have to look for ways of pulling rent together and yeah. activity. So we are encouraging everyone to go and work. Like the chairperson, Aisha, is working with another station, uh, which is um, Af- Voice of Africa, mm. as a journalist. She's a news anchor there. Okay. She's the chairperson of the election. I mean, because now there's no way you can keep them full time when they cannot survive. No. So what we have done is that everyone now who is part of us should go and do something, mm. but we should keep on moving forward. Yeah. As a world, but smaller um, steps. The smaller yeah. steps, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so challenges are more into intimidation, as I've said. Of course, financial challenges. Uh, of course, um, an uh, accepting, unwelcoming public which looks with you, <laughs> at you with the doubts. Yeah. Because they think, how do you survive without a goal? There are quite many. But all that said and done, we still go on mm. and do our work. So you have... Uh, Mm. Good hopes for the future still. Good hopes because yeah. now, as I said, what is happening is that there are more non-believers identifying with us. Yeah. And the more we talk about these things, the more people come up. Yeah. Last year we had about uh, 16 members joining us. And when I say members, who are serious people in the society. Okay. Because if I'm talking about students, those are can be so many. But I'm talking about people who are serious, people who are having good jobs. Mm. Who are having good professionals, uh, and they are saying, "Oh, I think I can identify with you." Yeah, so okay. to me, it's um, it's quite a, a, a success, a, level, a measure of success when you have tangible, serious people joining you to say, "I think I can identify with you." Mm. And we haven't even done too much publicity. We have had uh, meetups. If you have been following us, mm. uh, like on my page and on our Haria page, we sometimes advertise these meetups. We have meetups mm. where we can go to. Help hotel or a bar and come and we have a topic we discuss. We shall continue these meetups this very year. Mm. These meetups help us publicize what we do. Members come and meet each other because mm. sometimes it's more of um, uh, uh, online meetings. Yeah, Like you see WhatsApp. You have a friend who is a, a, an atheist mm. but you have never met. Fair year, you have never met. And you went, uh, oh, in yeah, Uganda. Okay. Yeah. Is in Kasese, is in Imbarara, is yeah. in Moya. So sometimes we organize these meetups and people happen to come and we meet. And then when we meet, we comfort each other, we encourage each other, we learn from each other. It becomes more mm-hmm. more personal, more 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 humane to, yeah. to meet someone physically than an online mm-hmm. kind of arrangement. So we shall continue with the meetups, which in my view will help us to get to know more about each other and fish up more people. Mm-hmm. But as I said, this time we want to engage the public more. Yeah. We want to take uh, huge steps and engage more through the uh, talk shows, mm. radio talk shows. We have had a few uh, TV talk shows. We have had just a few uh, in last year. But now we want to embark on a campaign to mobilize some funds, mm. if we could, to at least have more visibility. Yeah. To me, that's the most important thing. Okay. More visibility and we claim our space. Because the beautiful thing is that Uganda is a secular country. Mm. That one on legally, paper, yeah, on legally, paper, yeah. and as a lawyer, is a lawyer. So uh, legal, it gives us strength because yeah. we know that whatever I do, I'm not breaking any law. Yeah, basically, it must exist. Mm. But because you are stronger than me, you want to suppress me. But mm. legally, I must exist. There is no state religion in this country. Yeah. So it means I have a basis to fight for my rights. Mm. 
It's the best question I can say. <laughs> because I can talk on and oh, yeah. on. It's yeah. interesting stuff. I have <laughs> but to But it's interesting. Them. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> thank you very much, Peter, yes. for talking mm. to you. Mm. It's mm. been interesting to listening to your story. Yes. yes. Thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you for coming to Uganda. I should, I should pause it because if I talk, I have so much to tell you. You may not stop. <laughs> In the next episode, I'll be talking to Peter about legal aid, literacy, and young mothers. Thanks for listening. You can also follow me on Instagram and on my blog. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, please contact me. For now, I'm doing this at my own expense, and I could use some financial support. Thank you.